Warzone's meta is pretty well ingrained. We saw that with the Akimbo snake shot rounds. We're seeing that with RPGs, C4s, the Graw, MP5. At least in its current state, what a lot of people are using. There's not too much variation on things like the perks or the overall strategy that's being implemented to get wins. Especially if you're watching any of these high kill competitions in the strategy that they're using to get the high kills. Some of this might get updated even before this video is even released, honestly, because they do tend to change these things. But I wanted to at least talk about the overall meta in this game, where it's at, and especially catching people up because so many new people come to my stream, so many people see my videos, they're asking for tips on the game. I am by no means the best. If you don't know, you can watch me die to fall damage in a lot of clips. I say a lot of them are doctored, but you know, it is what it is. I got a KD of 2.8. I just hit 150 wins as of yesterday recording this. So I got a little experience. I wanted to create something to give you a little update on where the game's at and catch you up to speed a little quicker. Even understanding the meta though, and that, and if more people watch and implement this, then it might even shift away from that. If you do enjoy this content, make sure you subscribe to catch all the latest as well as on my second channel, even come hang out in my streams that I do every day, because then you can watch live and prove if I really died of fall damage. And I think for a lot of you guys, this is going to be pretty basic for you, uh, especially if you've been watching my videos and playing as much of this game as I have. And if it is, feel free to drop some comments down below with any additional advice or tips you'd want to include in this. Maybe it's something you really just haven't even thought about, and you might think, oh my god, this all makes sense. Hopefully this helps you keep making more progress. I think the starting point for you learning this game or any shooter game in general is mastering the controls and controls in this game not only include movement, sliding, mantling, but the big one really is aim and specifically. I mean, first person shooter, you have to be able to aim in general advice for this is to drop hot in battle royales, go into superstore, the center of the map somewhere and get into a lot of fights to build up your aiming strategy. The good part about call of duty, depending on how you look at it, is that there's also multiplayer, which gets you into way more gunfights way faster. The problem with that though, is that you're fighting people at different health pools and different strategies are going to be better for that situation. So while you might be able to build up some aim, you're not going to understand the time to kill, how soon to switch targets, and some of the stuff that comes more into the tactics. On the free side though, with Warzone, you can play Plunder. This will get you a lot closer. You practicing in Plunder is much more realistic to the amount of health people will have using the armor system. The actual range that you get into gunfights versus a multiplayer map is so much closer on average. So when you're there, push people, get into gunfights. Practice situations. Treat it as if you and that team you're fighting are the last teams alive in the zone closing when you're at the end game of Warzone Battle Royale. Plunder can help build up your mid game because that's you actually using your own guns, loadouts, perks, and getting into fights. While that can be decent practice, the main reason I use Plunder to practice is for my sniping. Understanding the distance, how much you need to lead at certain distances, as well as how much drop you need to put on your gun that you're using. We'll get more into the specifics of guns and loadouts later. Aim is one of the most absolute critical parts of all of this before you keep on ramping up though. So I want to dive a little deeper. The best practice that I've had is through other aim trainers. There's a free one called Aimtastic that I played quite a bit. There's a really popular one called Kovacs Aim Trainer. Both of those can be found on the Steam store on PC. This can really help with your quick target acquisition and your flicking. That's what I train most there, especially because you have the freedom on PC, but you're on console. That's cool too. That ties right into my next recommendation, which is if you do have Modern Warfare, the actual game, creating private matches and learning and practicing your gun's recoil pattern, as well as target acquisition on bots. 
Setting it on free-for-all with 11 bots gives you plenty of people to work on. And if you set the health pool to 250, you can practice your assault rifles, submachine guns, and the full auto stuff. And setting health to 150 so you can practice your snipers and getting headshots. Even if you don't have Modern Warfare, you can still do this within Plunder. Dropping in with your loadout fully loaded and just finding a spot against a wall where you can practice that recoil pattern for the gun because they are consistent in this game. There will be some random deviations, but for the most part, that recoil pattern will maintain a specific pattern. If you're brand new to shooters, imagine how much more experience you get from within 30 minutes, 100 kills in practicing shooting versus 30 minutes in Warzone where you might get three to five kills. And on top of that, if you're starting your day out, spending 15 minutes warming up by killing 100 bots, so you refine and tune that muscle memory, whether it's your thumbs, wrists, or even your entire arm. This is nothing brand new. This is something that professional esports players that are playing Call of Duty do as they're warming up, sitting down, adjusting to their setup at the LAN event or wherever they're at. You need to build up your own experience for this, just like everything else, and develop your skills. Even the aiming gods that are out there, including the non-legit hackers that have aimbots, still lose though, especially at the beginning when the game first comes out. A big part of that is a lack of map knowledge. You need to know the angles that are available, where the buy stations are, where care packages typically drop, where cover is relative to you, where the hard crossings are gonna be over freeways, open rivers, and there's not gonna be cover to make the best decisions possible. At this point, a lot of people have a lot of map knowledge, but if Call of Duty does come out with a new map for this, which there has been speculation of that happening, this is where you're gonna really have an opportunity to build up that knowledge quicker than the general population and get more of an advantage. If you're behind on map knowledge, really paying attention to where you die, where relative cover was, where the enemies were in that gunfight, all starts to stack up. I'm positive that people even who know the map very well are not paying attention to these features of the map and understanding it more from a game perspective rather than what a beautiful map and design all of this is. Look at it from the perspective of, ooh, this box is the perfect height so I can just get my head over and get the gun over and I'm a super small target here. That's called a head glitch where it makes it very easy for you to shoot but difficult for the enemy to get that pinpoint pixel. If you find yourself especially dying multiple times to somebody in the same exact position, maybe that's a position that you need to start being in, checking before you go for crosses, and understanding where positions have advantages over other positions, and prioritizing those. In the same lines, this leads us to your tactics. Now, we can argue about the specifics of the numbers all day, but I'll just give you some rough estimates of what I'm thinking here. 30% of the game comes down to your aim. 10% of the game comes down to your map knowledge. Maybe 20% of the game comes down to just pure luck. But the last 40%, maybe you even argue 20% of that luck comes into the tactic too, so maybe even up to 60% of this game comes down to those tactics. Regardless of what those numbers specifically are, this is what comes down to the consistency of winning in Battle Royales. This is as well why this game is so replayable, because there's so many different tactics, ways you can get a win, and stories that come from all of this craziness happening of 150 players dropping in on a map. That ranges from what your loadout is to where you decide to drop, how you decide to rotate, where the end game is, what contracts you go for. There's so, I mean, there's so much that goes into all of this. After playing all these games though, watching everybody else play all these games and all of the wins, what is the strategy that everybody's using? That is the meta. What's the most common way to win? What is the best way to win? Not that it's the only way, but what is effective? Well, without hard data, it's all very anecdotal. And on top of that, it also is dependent on you as a player. If you spend all of your time sniping, that's where you're best aiming, and you decide to not do that, you're probably gonna have less success rate versus playing to your strengths. 
So before we get into weapons, let's talk about the overall game strategy. Now there's no way to break down every single strategy in this video. I've been doing daily win videos since the game came out. No two of them are the exact same. It also varies if that game's a solo, duos and trios, trios, trios and squads, or squads. But I can talk higher level of what it is I'm focusing on as I'm going through and progressing on the game. The stages of the game from beginning, middle, and end. Early game is a race to the mid game. First person there is going to have an advantage on everybody else. As soon as you land, if you get a gun, somebody just has a pistol, you push them immediately, get the drop on them. You got yourself a couple free early kills and now an advantage going into a 4v2 team fight since you already eliminated two of them or whatever the case might be. The faster you can get to a powerful gun, that means if you see a gun on the ground like an M4 going straight for that versus a box, which is going to give you something random that you're not sure, turning around and killing the people that are looting the boxes is a much better overall strategy. The early game is often where a lot of the luck comes into play. You don't know how many people decide to land in the same spot, what guns they get versus what you get, and is where you as a player have some of the least control of the game. You pull a Pila out of one of those boxes against somebody who's got an LMG mounted around that corner, good luck getting him, let alone the three other teammates trying to reload that thing. You can eliminate a lot of the variables by landing away from where everybody else is. One of the best strategies to do that is even just pulling your shoot a little bit early, waiting to see where people land, following those trails, and then diverting off to a different building set or continuing down to the one you're going to if nobody lands there. Waiting, though, costs you time, which means you are going to be getting to the mid-game later. People understand this, which is why you see so many people landing on contracts and landing in hotter areas. Currently, that seems to be the main strategy that everybody is going for, landing on those contracts. So to counter that main strategy... I often don't land on those contracts, but then push to where they are. Specifically, scavenger contracts are hotly contested because you get so much loot from it, pretty much guaranteed. Pushing a team that picked one of those up can be some easy free kills at the beginning. People want to make money quickly. I consider the mid-game to start once that first care package drops in. This always happens at the exact same time, which is 10 seconds prior to the first zone locking in. That is when it completely closes. Even if your loadouts are complete trash, you're still going to have perks, which is still going to give you an advantage over everybody who's coming back from the Gulag or has not been able to secure their own package yet. This also means that you can start the mid-game early if you make enough money to get your loadout prior to that first zone closing, which is why that rush to it is so important, especially if you want to get high kills. You beat people the mid-game, even you have a good loadout, guns with the exact attachments that you want, that you've practiced with, that you know. Now, killing people that are with a really slow LMG that they're not comfortable using, so they're reloading even though they only shot 20 bullets of it, or still running around with that Pila and it doesn't even have any ammo. The mid-game, obviously, you're trying to get yourself res. Get yourself some pocket kill streaks so you're ready for the end game. Preparation is the key here, and because people are still so spread out in zone 2, 3, you don't have to worry as much about people in corners unless you get close to a buy station or a contract. Whether you're trying to pick one up or you're going to a secure station, which somebody might have already walked by and be camping. You want to check second floor buildings that have vantage points on buy stations and be a lot more proactive sweeping areas before you go in for them. Now, of all of the strategies you can use, one of the best to do is to complete a bunch of recon contracts within the mid game. Because this tells you exactly where the end game is. And if you do enough of them, the final circle. They deter you from doing this by putting that flare up every time you're on a capture position so enemy teams can push you and even announcing to them that somebody's capturing a secure station nearby. If your overall strategy, though, is to sit in a corner and hide and wait for the end game, yes, 
this can get you to the end game, but likely you're not going to have that aim confidence that we talked about at the beginning of this. You're not going to have the skill set to end up winning that game without just relying on that 10, 20% or whatever it is of pure luck. You need to have those foundational skill sets in order to win at the end. And while a top 10 does show up on the leaderboard, it's kind of cool. It's not going to be as impactful as you really building this skill set and getting out in the mid game and building yourself up for the end game. It's also just a lot more fun when you get a couple kills in the game and play it in a more dominant way. You don't have to. People have fun hiding too. There's people who even get wins with zero kills, and that's their pride and joy. But I also want to encourage more people to come out and see the fun of getting into some fights, of making some decisions, and watching them pay off. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you got to camp a buy station if your teammates are down and you need a little come up. But if you do have an advantage, you got a great mid-game pumping, you clearing out your section of that zone in the mid-game, killing everybody in your little slice of the pie, the more you can kill everybody out of that slice of the pie in your circle, and the faster, the better. You might have a couple stragglers working their way into it. That comes a lot more into the end game. But this is how you see teams go so uncontested, not getting third-partied, is because they've killed everybody. And oftentimes, they've killed them with an advantage, already having their loadout, maybe even already having their second loadout. Too common, I run into full teams that are, they've got everything, but they're just sitting inside of a building and waiting to get pushed, waiting to get dominated. When you have an early game lead and advantage, what I mean by clearing the slice of the pie is looking at the circle in slices and wanting to clear yours out, whichever you're in. But you want to keep on clearing everybody out of it. Check the buildings, check the bushes, scan through the forests. When it's clear, move on to the next section. Just keep making that slice a little bit wider where you know it's cleared and you've killed everybody out. This is when you're rotating. Staying ahead of the zone and on the edge of that circle will force it so when everybody's coming in, you've got that advantage and can pick them off as they're running in. Sometimes that's in the woods. Sometimes that is in a building. But you got to keep your eyes out. Keep scanning your surroundings. Because what you don't want is to be completely surrounded, especially going into the end game. This is also where a lot of the luck can come back in. Because you may just get absolutely terrible zones where you're constantly on the run at the edge of it. No vehicle to put a trophy system on and drive and get a head start on. Your slice just might be absolutely jam-packed with everybody. This typically can be, especially if that zone is pulling everybody on the side of the map into the middle and scrunching them up. If you can get ahead and on the opposite side of the circle... Towards the edge of the map, you'll probably have a lot less fights. Before we get to the end game, you want to start thinking ahead where, where will the fewest people be? And you can start actively hunting and clearing them out to give you a better plan for the end game. I'd consider this starting once the second free loadout package comes down. This is going to allow any of the mid game or early game gulags to come back to get a free loadout, as well as anybody who's playing more passively early on to potentially get a second gun here, or maybe give one or two teammates who had died their perks back. This is also when the gulag closes. The only people that are going to be coming back is going to be somebody who shoots a flare up into the air, announcing it to everybody that somebody's coming back. People can float in the sky, coming back from a gulag or a flare for approximately three minutes. Most come down much faster. But as soon as that second package comes down, you need to keep your eye to the sky for people diving down, coming back from that gulag who had just been floating. Or maybe people that have been rezzed, waiting for that loadout. Because you're going to see them dive and they're going to be very easy kills, but also extreme nuisances if one rogue player prone in a bush takes you out. Currently, it is very common for people to be watching these boxes. Going for a loadout on these boxes can be highly risky. The zone is small and those boxes drop in a cluster. 
anybody else who has a box at the same spot is probably going to be looking in that same area as you. If you do want to get a second box, try and get that earlier on in the game, especially if you're in solos. The odds of you successfully making it to that box that's in the open in the street is very low. And while we'll set you up to win the game, this is often where a lot of people die. The biggest thing to consider once you get to the end game is that you need to start checking every corner. Whereas earlier on, it's going to be very unlikely that somebody's sitting in a bush just waiting there. It might happen, and that's where a lot of luck comes in, but it's going to be a much lower probability than at the end game. you got to become very vigilant. And this is where a lot of people are like, man, how did you even see that guy? It's because I keep checking every single bush, every corner when it comes to the end game. And by no means am I perfect at this. I miss a lot. I miss a lot of loot in the first place, even stuff that's right in front of me like a satchel, okay? The point is, at the end game, I do make a conscious switch to at least try to spot more and be more vigilant. Those players no longer have a source of comeback in the gulag. So they're going to be playing more defensively. There's going to be far fewer buy stations even left because the zone is so much smaller. People are likely going to be camping that. You need to clear the building before going for the buy station, especially of that area that you were clearing out and killed a bunch of people in is now no longer in the zone and you're going into uncharted waters. The late game, once you're probably around top 30, is far different than that early game. And it takes a long time to get to that in the first place. The biggest hurdle that a lot of people face, especially getting their first win, first 10 wins even, is that confidence. The confidence doesn't come from nowhere, though. It comes from experience. And if you've been practicing in multiplayer against bots in Plunder, you're not going to have that end game experience. This is a completely different game. You no longer have every single option in the world to go wherever you want. That zone is a pillar. Enemy players holding rooftops. You've got to start making some very difficult decisions that are not going to have the highest probability of success. This is where aim can compensate a little bit. If you've got an awesome sniper on your team who gets a knock, one of those enemies goes for the res, now you got a four versus two fight, you can push that. Even if you just do some damage and then push, you've got a lead going into that fight. But this is where your experience comes in and you're going to need to play enough games. The first win is going to be the hardest. Once you get 10 under your belt, it's a little bit more easy. But that's because you've got so many more reps at that end game. Playing this really much more exclusive game because it's so hard to even get to the end game in the first place and play this end the game mini game. If you want to speed up these repetitions, you need to start analyzing your gameplay. Every time you go there, even record it, analyze your gameplay and see what you could have seen and done better. Of course, hindsight's going to be 2020, but this can also ramp up the amount of experience that you have in this situation because you're still, at the end of the day, in the same fight that you would have been against those bots. You're going to just have less decisions you can make. And the more you can strategize earlier as you see that zone six coming in on your map, figuring out what route you want to take to position yourself for the highest probability of a good position, using that map knowledge that you have to give yourself the high ground in a fight, somewhere where nobody can even get up to this cliff once this zone closes. We need to get the high ground on that cliff. You're not doing contracts. Maybe you try and make it to a buy station, but you're going to have to do some clearing before you go for it. Even deciding to go for your second package, that's going to be 125 meters away in an area that you have not cleared yet, is going to be extremely risky. It might not be a decision you make. Your tactics or your decision-making, really, as well as your team's coordination and communication here, is so critical. This is why, as well, those... This is why as well, those recon contracts are so incredibly valuable because if you know where that final zone is closing and you can position for it into that best spot once it is time for the end game or work your way through the mid game with the knowledge of where you want to be at the end already determined, you'll get those final zones coming to you and free kills on it. One of the biggest mistakes that I see in these end games, and that really leads to a lot of wins for me, is with the final decisions of the game. 
specifically in top threes. If two enemy teams are engaging each other, this is your time to get the advantage, figuring out where you want to position to take out the team that looks like they're most dominant. If it's a four versus one, you're probably going to go want to get a position on that team with the four people. And don't be afraid to make a move. Just because you have the zone doesn't mean you let a team fully recover if you're hearing three reses go off. A lot of times, the aggression at the end game and pushing a team that's hurt maybe just wins a fight, or you can get any information on, even with a recon drone, and catching them by surprise can make that win that would have been a 4v4 fair fight a lot easier because you caught them off guard or before they could reset. A lot of times, this can even make wins incredibly easy. This is when knowledge is power. Using sound is incredibly important. Callouts with your teammates. If you have a heartbeat sensor and enemies are popping on it, it makes everything so much easier. Counting the number of players alive, as well as the number of teams that are alive, you could even pop a UAV, count the dots, and see how many people have ghost. Using that knowledge to your advantage. If you've got everybody on radar, you have no variables to account for. Understanding how many are missing, or even if they're not on radar, you hear the shots, you know two teams are fighting on the right side, four teams left, you got one unaccounted for, maybe it's a solo hiding somewhere, we gotta be careful for that. Either way, gather as much information as you possibly can, and try to make informed decisions. And finally, this brings us to the loadout. The main strategy that's used is to kit your gun set around being diversified. And there's two main branches of this. One that's built for close and medium range, and one that's medium close with long range. Let's start by looking at the close and medium range options. This gives you the highest kill potential. This is what you see a lot of the super high kill slayers going for, a lot of the console players going for. It's relied heavily upon aggressive gameplay and keeping fights within medium range. This is typically a submachine gun, as right now they're the most powerful close range option. In particular, an MP5 is one of the absolute go-tos. And if somebody is at farther range, that's why you've got a secondary assault rifle. Currently, shotguns are really only effective in that point-blank range, which is why submachine guns are slightly favored. Using your assault rifle secondary, you're looking to use monolithic suppressor, barrels that increase damage range and bullet velocity, making your long-range shots maintain their damage and control for recoil. Especially playing as a team, this is how you see such dominant strategies implemented because all four of them are sticking together using the most powerful weapons for the range that they're playing at, combining their shots to team fire. Because you also have two weapons with full magazines, if you use one gun to get a double kill, you don't even need to reload. Simply switch to your secondary, and while your Grom might not be as good in close range as an MP5, still going to be better than a sniper. You can keep applying pressure, especially comboed with a C4, a stun grenade, and wipe an entire team without ever having to reload. Everything has its pros and cons, though. In this case, without a sniper rifle, you lose the long range and one-shot down potential. This is typically the strategy that I run, which is a medium close range, the gun choice can vary, with a long range option, that being a bolt action sniper rifle. Personally, I would put the EBR, SKS, and the other marksman rifles into the prior category as a better medium range option. You still can get some long range potential in it, but the beauty of having a bolt action is one shot headshot kill potential from any range. That is unique to the bolt actions. We can get into another full 30 minute video on which sniper to use, but in general, the HDR is easier to use with less bullet drop, faster bullet velocity, but the AX-50 can shoot faster as well as aim down sight faster, but you're going to need to lead your shots more and account for more bullet drop. Because you're using a sniper rifle though, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get close and personal in people's face. Some decide to use a submachine gun, 
but that makes it really hard to get medium range kills, which is why very often you'll see people running assault rifles with a sniper. Alternatively, one of the better submachine guns for this is the MP7, which can be effective at close range, but more effective at medium range because of the low recoil and large magazine, as well as kitting it with a long barrel, monolithic suppressor, can still give it some decent range. On the flip side, if you're using an assault rifle, having something that has a fast aim down sight and can work in the closer range, but still be effective from that medium range is a sweet spot to use. This is why as well, you see so many different combinations of best gun in the game because there are really a lot of viable guns. It depends the situations that you use them in and how you set your loadout up. This is also gonna continue to evolve as new guns and updates happen. But hopefully this gives you a better understanding of what's going on underneath people's decisions on choosing their loadouts. If you want to see me do more specific deep dives into specific loadouts in the future, let me know. While we're talking about loadouts, I also want to talk about the perks. For the first slot, you're really looking at either EOD to help protect you against all of the incredible amount of explosions in this game, or cold-blooded to help you prevent against thermal optics. Personally, with the amount of C4 RPGs and explosions in this game, EOD is my favorite pick here. Slot 2 comes down to Ghost, almost completely necessary as it protects you from UAVs, radar drones, and heartbeat sensors. Alternatively, if you want to run stuns, restock can be very viable, especially if you're going for high kills, as it can allow you to do many team wipes, but as mentioned, knowledge is power in this. And with Ghost, enemies are not going to have knowledge. Finally, the last slot typically comes down to Amped. Increasing your weapon swap time, especially when you're running double primary weapons, gives you a much greater chance in dealing with two, three, even four enemies at a time by being able to switch to that secondary or finish somebody off before they get around cover. When you're looking to build your loadout overall, you're trying to come up with something that gives you the best odds in almost every situation. The more versatile that you can be, the more that you can deal with anything that the game's throwing you, the higher your likelihood is to succeed. If you're built around only close range, you could be devastating at close range, but as soon as you need to cross an open field, a 1% chance of everybody missing every shot on you is a lot worse than having a sniper being able to knock one and then make that cross. Or an assault rifle where you can pepper them a little bit or have somebody cover while you make your move. Maybe only giving you a 20-30% chance of making it, but it still makes you more versatile. This is why it's also good to have multiple loadouts set, so when you go to the box for the first time, you can grab your first loadout and then another one if you get it the second time. You can either start with overkill, getting both your guns, and the second box you go to, getting your class that has ghost or has restock, so that way you have all three of your perks, but can still pick your gun back up off the ground. Or, starting with all the perks you want and just getting one gun, you could find another one on the ground, or after you kill somebody, use theirs. Or the event you make it to another box or buy one, you can grab a second gun from your own loadout, still keep your perks, but have your two primaries. Personally, in solos, I always prefer to get all of my perks and always have Ghost. Picking up a secondary off the ground, or just running that one gun the entire game. It can be difficult to get a second box, and relying on getting to two boxes in one game has cost me a lot of games, especially when that second free package comes in. It is not one you can rely on. It's also good to have a class set up as a comeback class, meaning that it has the gun perk fully loaded on it, so you get maximum ammunition. If you come back, your team's in trouble, or even you're the last one alive, you can get that loadout, you'll have maximum ammo, you won't have every gun perk on it, but you'll have bullets to kill with. You can also use this as an ammo come up, if you do have access to your box, want to pick it up, get your ammo, and then just pick up your other guns that you were already carrying. 
There is still so much more that we could get into and talk about, but I hope this was a massive overview for you. This took me a lot of time to put together, think through and organize for you guys. But I think this is going to be a really effective thing to help get you into the game if you're just trying to figure it out now or to help you elevate your game if you're having trouble with consistency and not recognizing some of the underlying patterns. If you have anything to add or want me to expand on, let me know in the comments down below. And if you enjoyed the video, make sure you give it a like before you head out. You can check out some of my gameplays on the second channel, which I upload daily on a new YOLO video that might fancy on the main channel here or come hang out with me live. I'm always testing new guns, combinations, attachments, and absolutely love talking about all of this, as well as hanging out with the squad. Check out the links in the description. That's for this one, though. Thank you guys so much for watching. This is Stone Mountain 64, over and out.